This is the Feminine Genius Podcast, a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. Many years of serving in ministry, Alana Nunez Murdoch pivoted from her time in ministry to become a full-time entrepreneur. It was a process that taught her many lessons about resilience and self-confidence, but best of all, she was able to build on her experiences in ministry and bring them into the workplace. With this in mind, Alana founded Mission to Launch, an all-in-one platform that equips and mentors those who are ready to transition from ministry into the corporate world and encourages them to live life to the full. In this episode, Elena and I talk about the experiences she gained while working in ministry, what inspired her to found a mission to launch, and the fact that we're not just made for scarcity, we're made to thrive and live abundantly. Hi, Elena. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me on. It is my pleasure. Thank you for being here. And I was wondering if you could start by introducing yourself to our listeners and sharing a little bit of what it is that you do right now. Sure. So I currently work in PR and in strategic networking for mostly venture capitalists, private equity executives, real estate developers, um, and family offices. So pretty much anything in finance, PR, business-wise, I deal with. And I absolutely love my job. Prior to that, though, I was the director of youth and young adult and college ministries in the Archdiocese of Miami. I did that for about three years. And before that, I got my degree in theology at Franciscan University. But since then, I have an all time BA from Northwestern University, the Kellogg School of Management. And I studied at the Stanford Business School. So I started out in the Catholic world, and then I kind of transitioned into PR, which is what I currently do as my main business. And then during COVID, I launched my third business called Mission to Launch. I'm always so impressed uh, whenever I hear your story. I've listened to a couple of interviews that you've given about the work that you do and, of course, Mission to Launch, which I know we're going to jump into. But I'm always just so impressed and inspired because I feel like many people struggle to start one business and here you are and you've started your third. So congratulations all around and God bless the work that you're doing because I know that there's such an intimate tie between your faith, of course, and where you've come from and the work that you're doing now. So that's really cool. Thank you. Thank you. As I kind of alluded to, and you mentioned this as well, you have your degree in theology, but I'd love to hear if we go even prior to going to Franciscan, if you could share a little bit of your faith journey and how you've come to know Jesus in the way that you do now. Sure. So in high school, I didn't really, our family went to mass on Sundays and was starting to go to daily mass. I would say my senior year is where I really got serious about my faith because my parents wanted to homeschool me because they had discovered homeschooling and I had four younger siblings at the time. Now I have five. And I did not want to be homeschooled because it was, you know, your senior year. That's like the year, you know, you don't want to leave. So my parents said that if you can find a way to get to school, which is over 40 minutes away, then you can go. You just can't drive there and you can't take the school bus that comes from the school to our town to like pick people up specifically. So I did a pretty much like a mini perpetual novena to St. Therese. And I started going to mass every day during that summer at like 8 a.m. During the summer for a high school student, <laughs> I guess is unusual. Long story short, I did get a way to go to high school, finish out my senior year. 
because of St. Therese, my firm belief, and that's why, I don't know if you can see her, but I have a huge statue of her behind me. But that's when like I started to really believe that God was real more mm-hmm. than just going to Mass and like, okay, like we do this thing on Sundays. That's when it really kind of hit me that there is somebody out there, you know? It wasn't a question that he didn't exist ever. So that's a good thing. I know a lot of my friends in high school struggled with that. It wasn't like a thinking thing, but it was more of like a conscious, like, like okay, there is someone here for me. And then I went to Franciscan and I studied theology. It was kind of the opposite path that my parents had taken because they went to Stanford. My dad taught at the Stanford Graduate School of Business. So I very much went the opposite way of my parents. And it was more of like a blazing a trail on my own versus wanting to go to a Catholic university. But I did visit Franciscan. And like, as soon as I stepped on campus, it was so much peace that I had never experienced before in like a place. Like I had been to the Vatican, we had traveled and built, been to like Lourdes, which is very peaceful. It was still like with my parents. So it was very much part of what they were doing. But when I went to Franciscan, I remember like coming up on the hill and I just remember there was just so much peace. I was like, I want to stay here forever kind of thing. I ended up going, studied theology. And then after that, became a youth minister. But I would say St. Therese really helped me. Anytime I needed help with a job and still with clients, I pretty much asked her for help. And then Mary, interesting that I picked today because I've had a difficult relationship with Mary. Mm-hmm. And it was actually this year that I did a um, emergency rosary novena. And I realized I had trouble relating to Mary because I never thought that she was a woman of action. And I very much see myself as a woman of action being in business. And then I was meditating randomly on the visitation. And I was like, oh, wait, Mary made this decision to go visit her cousin, which is a brave and bold decision that a woman could do 2000 years ago, because that wasn't like the cultural norm to like go and make decisions on your own. So I realized that I could relate to her and that completely changed it. So that was as recent as this year. It's been an interesting relationship with Mary for sure. Oh, that is so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, two incredible women. You talked about Mary and St. Therese, and you kind of alluded to why it is that you chose the visitation and this relationship with Mary for Mission to Launch. But just before I get there, I want to jump back to why you chose St. Therese. Is there a particular reason like growing up for why you were drawn to her and eventually why it is that you prayed that novena during that senior summer to her? So when I was growing up, I had back surgery and I was actually on the Feast of St. Therese, and my spine is all fused up with titanium, like a wolverine. But <laughs> it's like totally normal. I don't even notice it anymore. But the surgery was on her feast day, and then I picked her as my confirmation saint. So I'm not entirely sure like what drew me towards her. It just mm-hmm. has always kind of been there. And then also when I was in high school, I was thinking briefly for a time that I wanted to be a Carmelite cloistered nun because of St. Therese, because I read the story of the soul. My family was also very close to a couple of Carmelite monasteries in Georgetown, California, which is a little bit farther north of Sacramento. Um, Beautiful area. And so I I had this idea for a while that I was maybe called to that. I was obviously not called to that because I would be there (laughs) currently, but she was always kind of there. And just, she's always like come through for me more than any other saint, Mm. I would say. Wow. I love that so much. You know, we go through our lives, like you're saying, you you had all of these experiences, you know, some difficult and some extremely miraculous. And she has always been there. She's always come through. And, you know, so many people have said to me, yeah, it's it's not really us that pick the saints, it's the saints that pick us and befriend us. And just hearing you share all of that, it just kind of rings true for me where, yes, the saints are looking out for us. And it's not this like 
big chasm where they're inaccessible or they don't care about us. They desire to journey with us. And that's really cool. I love that so much. There's something that I say about the saints too, especially for those of us in the working professional world, is that the saints are executive board in heaven. Yes. They get to like, you know, advise this in a way and, you know, they're close to the big man himself. So, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. yeah. And that's such a an apt image for you being in business, being a woman of action, as you described. But just as we look at that transition to business, and it's interesting that you mentioned your dad had taught at Stanford or maybe still does teach at Stanford. So obviously you spent a period of time working in ministry. You were doing youth ministry. I was curious to know what that was like and what was then the, I guess, the moment that you realized it was time to transition? Sure. So I did middle school, high school, confirmation, young adult, college, altar service, and parent ministry and like other odd ministries in between, like anything relating to the school. Middle school and parent ministry were my favorites. There was not really a huge middle school program when I went in. But middle schoolers are such sponges and they're like, they don't hate you yet. Like high school is so hard because they're mm-hmm. just so much of a, you know, the hormones and the personalities, they're just like all coming out at the same time. And they're like, usually not there of their own accord. So, mm-hmm. But the middle schoolers, I built that up and it's called the Sparks Ministry. Mm-hmm. And I actually built that ministry at a couple of different places as a volunteer. But I love the middle school. I think it's such a critical age. If you answer their questions and like get to them and they like absorb it and they understand it. I think they have a much higher chance of staying with the faith versus if you get to them in high school, they're kind of have been like almost made a decision already. And it's much harder to get through to them in a sense, because everybody's trying to get through to them. And then I also love parent ministry because parents teach their kids catechesis first and they're hopefully with their kids more than they're at school. So for me, it was critical to answer questions and minister to the parents, which I am still very passionate about. I think every parish should focus on a parent ministry versus just having like kids ministries. I enjoyed it tremendously, had a great team of volunteers. It's definitely working in the professional world, like non-ministry world is much easier in a sense because you don't have to wrangle volunteers. Like as a youth minister, you have to wrangle all these people and be like, (laughs) people are not paid to be there. So I think it's quite a miracle for people who are in ministry in general. Like you have to wrangle a lot of people and train them. It's like herding cats. I I don't know. It was, you know, it's an amazing thing, really. It it gives you a lot of skills, but I really enjoyed it. Where I, I realized I needed to leave is I, in the United States, when Obama was president, he came down with this like 40 hour work week, basically. And there was at a certain point, people who were in ministry could not be exempt. Some positions were, some positions weren't, and my position was not. Mm -hmm. So I had to fit all of my ministry time into 40 hours a week. And I was like, you cannot build relationships in 40 hours. Like that's not possible. And then in PR, which is all about relationships, I work probably 80, 90 hours a week, but it's, you know, it's, it's super fun, but I was very frustrated that I couldn't go to like kids games and I was like not even reporting hours and I was getting in trouble for going like super over hours. It was just so frustrating Um, and I wasn't allowed to do a lot of the work that needed to be done to build those relationships because of the hours constriction. And I was like, this is ridiculous. If I'm not reporting the hours, why does it matter? So at that point, I was like, I really need to like get out because I was getting burned out. Mm-hmm. I was seeing kids not being ministered to and families that needed kind of like those extra couple hours. I wasn't able to give that. So I was like, well, this is not going to work. So I ended up leaving in 2016. 
And then from there, my dad actually was the one who told me, he's like, I think you'd make a great entrepreneur. And he was right. Just my skill set. And I think a lot of people actually coming from ministry in general have the potential to be amazing entrepreneurs Hmm. as you create things out of nothing. You have a lot of skills in people management and dealing with very difficult people, which happens a lot, especially as you're building your business. You do have to deal with a lot of people and you can't really say no a lot of the time. So I think coming out of ministry, it built me up in a great way to be an entrepreneur, but I loved having my own businesses ever since. But being in ministry was such a joy, and I really do miss the middle school and the parent ministry. High schoolers are great too, but middle school is best. And I have to agree with you. They really are saints in the making because like you said, they have to do so much with so little sometimes. And then on top of that, like you're saying, what really struck me was just how you can't do all of the relational things. Like you can't build a ministry in 40 hours a week. Like there's no way. My sister's a youth minister and, you know, I see her sometimes working odd hours or just trying to fit things in here or there because sometimes like that's when people are online, especially now in COVID, you have to do online ministry or you have to reach out to people in a certain way at a certain time that may not fit very nicely into your typical nine to five, 40 hour a week work week. So I just find that to be so exciting. It's a real joy that certain people have these skills and also the drive and the desire to continue to pour out of themselves, even though it might be awkward and challenging with the hours and stuff. So thank you for the work that you've done and what you continue to do. Once you made that transition out of ministry and you heard your dad say, yeah, I think you'd make a really great entrepreneur. From there, what did you study and how did you kind of get to that place where you're like, I think I'm ready to start my first business? Yeah, it wasn't as as organized as that. It was more just like, <laughs> okay, I'm leaving ministry. I must, you know, do something to support myself. So I pretty much immediately went into consulting for nonprofits because that was the closest thing and I had had a couple of offers to do marketing. I learned how to do marketing in youth ministry because you have to market to people and understand your audience, understand what they need and what they want, which is a lot of basically what marketing is. So Mm -hmm. I started doing marketing and I wasn't super good at it. What I was really good at was the the relationship building, but I didn't know necessarily how to do PR, what that was. Mm -hmm. So I ended up working with a major donor from a nonprofit And he was like, I really need what you're doing. But like, for me, I need something called a personal brand. And I was like, had no idea what that was at that point. I was like, okay, but I don't know what that is. So I can't really help you. And he's like, well, here's a budget and go figure it out. He's like, I'm on LinkedIn. And so I went on LinkedIn and I figured out how to get him trending in like hashtags and on LinkedIn news, started learning a little bit about PR then and got him into something in Forbes, something very basic. And then kind of just started growing. And I was in Austin, Texas. I had moved from Miami to Austin, Texas at the time. I was working with a couple of parishes and building up ministries as a volunteer but then really more focusing on LinkedIn specifically and building up somebody's personal brand. So then I sort of became an expert. There's not a lot of people who work specifically with LinkedIn. So I built up quite a few clients around that, which was wonderful. But it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to decide to launch a business. It was more like Mm. thrown into the fire. Like I need to do this to earn a living. And so it just kind of happened and growing along the way, I started taking courses at Stanford University, at Northwestern, and just kind of where I needed to learn skills, I would try to go to a university instead of, I know a lot of people find skills on YouTube, but I was like, there's a lot of burn rate on YouTube. Like you can Google a lot of stuff and there's a lot of content there, but not all of it is useful. So I just went straight to like the quote unquote 
authority, basically. I got something called like an alt MBA from Northwestern. So I took all the MBA classes. I just never actually got my MBA because I was super busy running my business. So I learned a lot about communications and a lot about organizational management and design. So I implemented all of that like on the fly when I was doing my work. So I still don't have an MBA. Probably won't have time to get an MBA ever. But that's okay because the MBA doesn't really teach you a lot about business. It teaches a lot of theory. And what you need to know to run a business, you really learn when you're getting burned and thrown into the fire, essentially. Wow. Being thrown into the fire is such a perfect image because as you're telling the story, I'm just kind of like, oh my gosh, I would be so stressed out just to be like, you know, here's some money, learn how to personally brand me. And I'm like, what? I don't, I don't know how to do that. So what was that like to really navigate all of these new things? Like you had to take on so much probably, and you had to really learn a lot of things in a short amount of time. Again, another great skill to take with you. It's a wonderful asset. So what was that experience like to just have to do all that and learn things so quickly? Yeah, it wasn't really a thinking thing. It was more just like a doing thing. Mm -hmm. And the less I thought about like the fact that I don't know how to do these things and more just did them, Mm -hmm. it became easier. I was super stressed. I've been probably stressed for the last four years consistently. (laughs) But it's really a question of like, how do you manage that stress? And how do you pray through that? And how do you have a work-life balance, which is something I've neglected, unfortunately, this year and had to take some time off. It's just more of a doing thing. And the less you question yourself and the less you think that like, oh, I can't do this or like these people have done so much more than me. Mm. All of those things that run through your head in terms of like imposter syndrome, which is a very real thing. And the more you just do things and the more I think also responsibility you take on, the more you become more competent and you're like, oh yeah, I can do that. And then you can mentor other people and give them a leg up, hopefully. I'm very passionate about mentoring and also about philanthropy. And then I also learned about sitting on boards in terms of nonprofits, which led me to my top goal for the next, I would say, two years or so is to be the youngest woman in the United States to sit on a publicly traded company board. So the youngest woman right now is 32. I just turned 30 last month, which gives me so little time to do that. I think having really big goals and dreams is really important. And I think also growing up as Catholic, we're not, at least I wasn't taught how to dream Mm -hmm. and like how to have bigger goals and how to accomplish those things. It was really more, again, trial by fire, which I think is so important. I think people in ministry are uniquely equipped to handle that because there is so much stress in ministry. You're worried about like your kids and you're worried about budgets and you're worried about different relationships and there's always infighting and like so many things. So again, it's a very doing thing. And I would just you know, encourage people who are listening, if you're thinking about something, instead of thinking about it, I would just do it. There's mm-hmm. definitely prayer. You definitely have to start with prayer. But you, know, you can't just pray the entire time. We're not <laughs> in cloisters and monasteries. Okay. We do have to act. There's a lot of action involved, whether you're in college or whether you're in the professional world ministry, you do have to act. So if you're have a dream that you haven't really like, oh, I'm going to achieve this, you know, in so many years when I have X, Y, and Z, like it's never necessarily going to happen if you don't start acting now. Mm -hmm. So very, very much a proponent of taking big, bold, brave actions. Mm, I love that. Yes. And it's so good. And it's so important to pray. And like you said, Elena, you really should be doing that first, you know, trying to center what it is that you're doing a project, a business, a podcast, whatever it might be, you need to center that and root it in God himself, because he really is the one that will lead you and help you to make whatever decisions, make whatever moves you need. But ultimately, at some point, 
you have all the maps drawn up, but you're going to have to get in the car and start the car and, and start moving. So I really appreciate that you said that because I feel like so many times we do get paralyzed in fear and paralyzed in all of the things that we need to do. But sometimes the best step is the first step. I just appreciate you sharing that. And I think it's a good time maybe to pivot and talk about Mission to Launch. You know, like you said, it's the newest one of your ventures as we're recording this. And and it very nicely fuses together everything that we've been talking about. So obviously your history and your background in youth ministry and working in like parent ministry and doing all those kinds of things. And then eventually transitioning into business and how you have this alt MBA. And then in particular, what I love about what you just shared was this passion for mentorship. And it's so clearly woven into the fabric of Mission to Launch. So I was wondering if you could share with listeners what Mission to Launch is and whatever you want to share about it, because I know there's so many aspects to it. So I'll let you take the reins from here. Thank you. Yes, Mission to Launch is an e-course experience, and it's more than just like classes. We also have alt mentorship, a peer community, and also an internship or job board. And I started Vision to Launch because I was in youth ministry and I went through a transition, even though I knew that I wanted to have my own business. I still went through a very difficult transition, even though my dad told me that I, you know, should be an entrepreneur. My parents told me that, you know, you won't succeed because you've been in ministry and you wasted your early 20s. I was told by mentors that I had from Stanford, you were just in ministry and you should have gone to Stanford. You know, you're not going to be able to be successful. And then from youth ministry mentors who are are now lifelong youth ministers, which very few people actually have a calling to, I believe, also told me like they may have tried to leave ministry at one point and were telling me from their experience, they're like, you're not going to make it either. You're just going to go back to ministry and this is going to be like a fun little experiment you had. And so I was just, I was very discouraged and very isolated. And I did move to Austin, Texas without knowing anybody. So it was definitely a part of it. But, and then also not only that, but seeing my friends who had been in youth ministry for a couple of years or parish life or missionaries, and they felt called to leave ministry, but didn't have maybe the experience that my, you know, my parents had who were in business and so wanted to leave and were definitely like getting burned out, but didn't have that direction, we would have dreams, but then we're like, would encounter something difficult. And then they would be like, oh, well, maybe this is not the will of God for me. And I go back into ministry where they were clearly not called. And I believe if you're being called out of something. You should not stay in that place because you're going to do harm, maybe not noticeable harm, but it is harming them because somebody else should be there. Mm-hmm. So Mission to Launch was really initially designed for people who are leaving ministry, who needed that a place to land, but also needed to learn skills to thrive in the professional world and learn how to dream big and learn how to be authentically themselves while still staying Catholic. So then that was initially designed. And now we've kind of pivoted a little bit to include not just ministry professionals, but if you're a young Catholic professional or you're you know, a young adult or an adult working in the workplace, we have had people work at like Johnson & Johnson or Clorox for like 10, 12 years who have signed up. But if you're looking to thrive in the workplace and you've been to like a state school or a Catholic school, you're not really taught how to interview. You're not really taught how to negotiate network, how to dream with the perspective of God has placed these dreams on your heart and they're meant to be fulfilled. But because the world is telling us and universities, even Catholic universities tell us we have to fit into a box and like that is what you got your degree in. That's all you do. That is so false. And so Mm -hmm. I was very frustrated seeing people not thriving. And I think we're all created to thrive. We're all created in the image and likeness of God. He doesn't want us to survive and starve. He wants us to live abundantly. He wants us to experience his beauty. And for me, I was raised in a very beautiful environment and I do love staying in hotels and 
I feel like the way that I experience the love of God is staying in luxury hotels and seeing his beauty because he created those people who create those experiences. But in the Catholic world, there's a lot of demonizing of wealth and a lot of demonizing of beautiful things because it, it could lead to sin, which is a very puritanical way. So I wanted to create a very prestigious experience for people who are coming from ministry or just Catholic who have not experienced the beauty of God in that way. And in terms of experiencing the beauty of God and Mission to Launch, we're building a platform that has a very premium feel and also have instructors from like Stanford, Harvard, IMD in Switzerland, which is the number one executive MBA program in the world, CEOs of multi-million, multi-billion dollar companies, an MBA team owner, mm-hmm. Goldman Sachs, finance, all that fun stuff. But all these people who are like the world's top 1% in leadership who really believe that well-formed Catholics, especially us younger generations, need to thrive and need to be authentically ourselves and learn how to do that. So they very much saw Mission to Launch as kind of solving that problem. Mm. And if we're Catholic and we know how to interact in the workplace, not like standing on the desk and inviting people to Bible study, but just being ourselves and being Christ-like in the workplace, we have the best opportunity to reach other people who have fallen away Catholics. There's a lot of fallen away Catholics and they're not in parishes. You know, they're not on Catholic Instagram. They're not listening to Catholic podcasts. Mm -hmm. They are in the workplace. And if we're talking about the new evangelization, that's where we're really going to reach people. So a lot of these executives saw Mission to Launch as that answer. And Mission to Launch is really here to help people thrive and like wherever their dreams lead them. Then we have the alt mentorship, which is mentorship without the messiness in that it's very hard often, I think, for young adults to find mentors. It's hard to find good match and like, the, you know, the scheduling and all that. And then also executives have often been burned by young adults because of time commitments or like canceling at the last minute, which like I have a mentor that I meet with once a year mm-hmm. and I schedule about 10 months in advance. And then they've had people who have canceled on them. Like, and then they're like, oh, can you meet tomorrow? I'm like, no, that's not how that works. Mm-hmm. So alt mentorship also allows executives to mentor at scale. So that means that our paying members get to ask questions. Let's say you have an investing question and you want to ask someone who worked at Goldman Sachs or who owns a $1.5 billion real estate company or something like very much for that kind of mentor. Mm-hmm. You get to ask that, submit questions to my staff, We send those questions to the alt mentors. They record those questions as if they're in a mentorship meeting or informational interview. And then we upload that content to our platform. So if you have a difficult situation at work or in college and you're trying to figure that out, you can Google that situation essentially within our platform. And then that mentorship video would come up. So mentorship on demand is also Mm -hmm. something that doesn't exist. I'm super excited to pioneer that as well. Yeah, there's so many aspects of this platform. So again, big congratulations to you and the whole team that's running it. I've had the privilege of watching one of the videos. And actually, it's interesting that you're talking about dreaming. It's a wonderful skill. So one of the videos that I was able to preview was January Donovan's course on the importance of dreaming and dreaming big. And like you said, I don't think necessarily this is an innately Catholic thing. I think just humans in general, sometimes we really do sell ourselves short and We neglect to really put ourselves out there and really dream big. But then in particular, like you were saying, God has written these desires on our hearts. Like he wants us to be magnanimous and ask big things and also expect that he's going to do big things in our lives. It's a wonderful course and it was a wonderful opportunity to do that. So my thanks to you for giving me that opportunity. In all of these things that you had talked about, what have been some of the big aha moments big things that maybe have surprised you or moved you about Mission to Launch and what people have been doing within the platform so far? 
Sure. I think the biggest thing is that on a business side, I launched this less than seven months ago, which I would say everybody was like, you're crazy for doing that. Because if you're designing a company that's product-based for consumers, usually spend like a couple years in like research and development, talking to people. And I was very convicted that I've had this experience. I know other people who are going through this experience. I was not planning on launching Mission to Launch for another year or so. I had other goals that I had, but then I saw a lot of people being laid off from ministry and had nowhere to go and were either moving back with their parents and were just miserable. And I was like, okay, people need to be served now. So I had the concept and I knew that I could serve people, but then people signing up and saying within one week of taking like the first course that their life was changed forever. Mm -hmm. That was like a very huge confirmation and very much like I knew this had the potential and the possibilities to do something amazing. But then when people sign up and we have testimonials on our website from a few people and on Instagram saying that their life had been changed and now some of them are living their dream now, that was like, wow, this does have the potential to scale, basically. You can always have the theory like, yes, I know this can serve people, but it has to go to market. It has to be bought first to prove that concept. So that was more of like, this is a real thing. This is something that I can really work on. I think for me personally, it was realizing that I still had an ego and I thought I had done a lot of work on my ego, but there's a lot more <laughs> that needed to be done. In terms of starting a business, I self-funded Mission to Launch, which looking back, if I did do it again, I would probably accept funding. But I, I was so concerned about the mission, no pun intended, that I didn't want to dilute that by accepting other investors. But mm -hmm. I think looking back, I should have trusted a little bit more and not been as scared, but working in the finance world and seeing what venture capital firms can do to startups. I was a little bit afraid of that, but should have trusted a little bit more and had faith. It's okay. It's always a learning process. And then in terms of what's happening on the platform, so we've had several people who are discerning out of ministry. We're not asking people to leave ministry and go into business. If you're being called out or if you've left ministry, which is a lot of people, this is the program for you because we teach you how to dream. We teach you basic skills that are not taught at the university level or even at the MBA level. So there are people in the program who were discerning out of ministry already. And then they realized taking the program like, okay, my dreams are actually real and like they're here and I, I want to fulfill them. Like one person was leaving youth ministry in January and she's becoming a full-time real estate investor, or real estate deals, which is super awesome and super mm -hmm. cool. And she didn't study that at all. And she just got her master's in theology. And then we're just seeing people react to the community and just becoming a little bit more open and becoming less afraid, which is really amazing. Um, I think especially during COVID times and we're going through a transition, it's hard to open up because a lot of like one's friends, like my friends, for example, were like, why are you leaving ministry? You know, you're doing the wrong thing. You're not going to be able to serve God. So like coming together in a place where you can be like, okay, I'm really struggling with prayer. Or I'm really struggling in this way. I'm struggling with family. But I'm also going through a career transition or trying to find a new job. We have a couple of people who are Catholic young professionals who are never in ministry but lost their job due to COVID. Mm -hmm. Like, How do I build these skills up to find something else or find my dream? It's really amazing seeing people so committed. And it's kind of like a learn at your own pace kind of a situation. We release courses uh, every three weeks. Mm -hmm. But it's really just amazing just seeing people like come together and people wanting community too. It's one thing to say like, we're going to provide community, but then will people actually participate in it? It's something completely different. Right. All of these great things. So it's exciting to see how just in such a short amount of time, how much has been able to be achieved, but also just like that faith, I think, 
You mentioned that you had that lesson that you had to learn yourself about managing your own ego and stepping out in faith. But all of this took place in such a short amount of time. And it really just goes to show, at least for me as an outsider, like God's providence and dreaming big and being able to really take this desire, this passion, this need, and how it is that you can take all the things that you've learned in your own life and then give back and mentor other people. You mentioned this earlier when you were talking about Mission to Launch. There is that demonization of wealth. And there really is a very stark contrast. And I would even say like a tug of war between those two worlds. You know, that next step I can imagine can be very scary, especially when people talk and you hear so many stories of other people's experiences. So maybe like for anyone who is listening, who has dreams, like they have those aspirations, or they feel like they need to make a change, but they are worried that people might say something, or maybe they themselves are worried that if I leave, does that make me a bad Catholic? What do you have to say to those people? Yeah, so I would say that wealth is not a bad thing. It's where your intention is. So when Jesus, for example, in the gospel was talking about the rich man not going to heaven because it was easier for a camel to pass through an eye of a needle than the rich man to go to heaven. The rich man was so attached to the things that he had, he was not able to let go and be detached and follow Christ. He asked him to sell all his things and, you know, and follow him and be a disciple essentially, which is a calling. So then a lot of people equate that to like, oh, I have to sell all my things and be poor to follow God. It's really where your intention is. If your intention is to have all the things and to have the McMansions, You know, if that's your intention and you're not praying and you're not focusing on God and you're not tithing, you're not giving back. Like, again, I'm very big on philanthropy and I really believe in community participation and giving back to your community in a a huge way. And I think all of us as Catholics have a duty to make money, to be not only financially independent and not relying on the state, for example but also to give back abundantly. And I think because we've been created by God and if God is taking care of the birds in the sky, like, you know, and he's going to give us what we need. He's going to give us what we need because we need that to survive. But he doesn't want to just give us things to survive. He wants us to thrive. And so if you're struggling with like, if I'm going to have a lot of things, my intentions might be placed in the wrong place. Well, that's up to you. It has to be your action and your decision to focus on things that are not of God. So I think there's a way to have things and be detached. I know I have almost all my mentors at this point are mostly Catholic and all of them are very successful CEOs and have beautiful things. But again, it's where your intention is. If your intention is on making money for the sake of money, that's where the bad stuff comes in. And that's not of God. Mm -hmm. But if people are saying like, first of all, you shouldn't be worrying what people are saying because God has created you and he has an opinion of you. And I share this submission to launch on the Instagram. Mm-hmm. There was like a reel that said, if like, why are you focusing on other people's opinions when God has already formed you and like knows you? Mm-hmm. But I know that it's very hard. There's a lot of comparison in the world. And I definitely struggle with like seeing other entrepreneurs who are around my age and have way more than me. I'm like, man, I've done nothing with my life. There's always that struggle. But again, it's like you can serve God wherever you are, which includes the professional world. It's harder to serve God in the professional world, not because it's harder, but it's harder to be a Catholic in the professional world because there's so much anti-Catholic sentiment Mm -hmm. in general. So I think it's easy to serve God, but it's harder to be more public about it, if, if that makes sense. So for those of you who are struggling, either leaving ministry, but if you're feeling called to leave ministry, you need to leave. Like it, you're, you're doing harm to the people and the souls that you are you know, in charge of now. It's somebody else should be there, hmm. but you could always serve God. And it's again, where your intention is. And Jesus had wealthy friends like Nicodemus who gave him his tomb. 
when he was sitting at like those long tables and he was talking about places of honor, Mm -hmm. those people were wealthy people. People who had long tables were wealthy people. So he had, you know, wealthy friends. It's not a bad thing to have money. It's just, where are you placing your intention? If your intention is on accumulating wealth, because you want to be, you know, the Mac daddy gangster of all the things, then, you know, that's the bad thing. But if you're focusing on giving back, having things because you can enjoy them and that brings you closer to God, which I think experiencing beauty through luxurious things is a very important thing to do. And I think more of us should do it. That's the important thing. And there's always going to be criticism from people and like parents not having enough or you have too much. Again, like how are you serving God and how are you getting to heaven? And if those things are bringing closer to heaven, including working in the secular environment, you need to have discipline. You need to kind of clarify, like, if this thing is bringing you to God. But I also wouldn't categorize something just because it's a thing that it draws you away from God. Like, we all have beds, right? Our bed's a bad thing. We need to sleep in them. So, you know, I'm like, people can have very nice beds. But like, if it's harming you, it's like, you know, doing something bad, then it's a bad thing. But I think, again, we should all live in a good environment that enables us to thrive and don't be worried about what other people are thinking, which is a very big mindset thing that you have to work on. And it's still something that I have to work on. So it's definitely a process, but Mission to Launch is here for you as a Catholic professional. Wherever you're coming from, we're here to help you transcend out of that mindset and really thrive in the world. Wow. Thank you. As you're sharing all of that, and you know, I have to reiterate all of the really good things that you just said there, but just something that came to mind as you were sharing all this. And I think throughout this conversation that we've been having is this verse in scripture, and I can't remember where it is. I think it's the gospels, but you know, to, to whom much is given, much more is expected of you. So really, like you're saying, the Lord doesn't just want us to just scrape by. Like he wants us to really live our full lives and really achieving the things and the desires that he's placed on our hearts. He will bless us with whatever resources, whatever time, and whatever people it is who can help us to achieve those things. And we're called to take action. We're called to make those moves and make those changes. But I love how you're pointing back to the flip side as well, where it's like, you know, you can achieve all of these things. And that's wonderful. And it to some extent is expected, right? Like, you know, we think of the talents and how at the end of yeah. our lives, like the Lord will want to see what we've been able to do with the gifts that he's given to us. But then from there, okay, like, you know, we've accumulated the wealth or the house or whatever it might be. We've built up these great businesses or projects, but then how are we giving back? Like, how are we serving other people out of that? And it's such an important thing to really be mindfully aware of. I think a lot of people have really bad opinions of people who have money. And it's actually during times of like the pandemic where giving, especially in the United States, is down 40% nationwide, Mm -hmm. that people who have the most amount of money, so people who are philanthropists, end up increasing their giving to kind of make up for that gap. So I think as Catholics, the five talent steward, I think we are those five talent stewards Mm -hmm. because we've been giving the fullness of the faith. And the people who might have less talents or maybe Protestants or people who are not Catholic. So since we've been given so much, don't question if you've been given something. Mm. We've been given everything. We have the Eucharist. We have confession. We have everything. So it's a question of how are you going to put that into action? And like, we have a duty to put that into action. So don't question like, oh, you know, making money is not for me. You know, having these nice things is not for me. These things are for you because God has given you everything. And that is Mm. so important. People who are really wealthy are not bad people. There are definitely some who are and who do bad things and you can very clearly identify them. 
But the people who are Catholic or who are Christian, Jewish, you know, who have a lot of money and who are good and who are, they ended up being philanthropists, they give millions back every year, especially during like the recessions, Mm -hmm. they end up increasing their giving by over 20 to 50%. So again, we're five talent stewards. Don't question that. We have a duty to make a lot of money so we can give back abundantly. Mm, Thank you. And that's such a great way of looking at that parable. I've never thought of it that way. So thank you for, you know, just like illuminating that. Because like you said, he really has given us everything. If we are Catholic and we claim to be, and we really recognize like the fullness of the faith and this gift that he's given to us. Yeah, you're right. We have absolutely everything that we need. So No, I very much appreciate that. And of course, like Elena, everything that you've shared today. So maybe just as we close, when you think about your personal feminine genius and, you know, how you've seen that flourish through the different areas that you've worked and this journey that you've taken, how have you seen that feminine genius grow in your life? Yeah, I would say that being a woman in the workplace, especially as a Catholic, can be difficult in the sense that Unfortunately, being in the church, there's a lot of people who don't see women as having like that equal part in general. And so I think my part has really been like, you know, as a professional working woman, it's a good thing to have that desire to work. And it's not a bad thing. And I think there's a lot of also sentiment around women should be in the home or like, you know, be in the religious space and not working. And so I really wanted to blaze a trail for other women. Like if you've been in ministry, especially you have dreams and skills that are meant to be fulfilled in the workplace. And those things are good things because again, if their desire is there and if it's a good desire, it's really meant to be fulfilled. I don't think there's really any of that being talked about in this space. There's a lot of talk about God's will, but one of our instructors, Elizabeth Santora Marcolini, Mm -hmm. she was talking about God's will being in the present tense, which was so illuminating because God's will has always been like, oh, you pray to do God's will like in the future. And so talking about God's will is living in the present moment and like where you are in the present moment is God's will for you. So if you're in the working situation, this is God's will for you now. So how are you living that out to the fullest of your possibility? Because potential is very limiting. Potential has a limit, but like, where is our possibility? So where is that? So I want to blaze that trail for other Catholic women coming from ministry or studying theology, you know, being in the professional world is important. We just need to be trained how to be in that place which is where Mission to Launch comes in. But then in terms of my PR main business, which is not Catholic at all, I would say trying to be like a chief problem solver and not just limiting the scope of my work to like what it says, basically, you know, within reason and trying to empathize with people where they're coming from and being pastoral, again, which is something they learned in ministry, not being the rescuer of people because we're not meant to be rescuers, we're meant to equip people and help people to, you know, kind of be their own person and asking people, like, if I've worked for a client and see somebody struggling in their company, even though it might be unpopular to say, hey, are you really thriving in this role that you're in? And like telling the CEO, like, I don't think this person is thriving. I don't think you should fire them, but they should, you know, be in a position where they can thrive because they're ultimately doing damage uh, to your company if they're not thriving. So mm. I guess calling people out where it might be uncomfortable is something that I've really tried to take into account. And then as I've grown more and liking the visitation, like, you know, Mary kicked down doors and crushed serpents' heads. So <laughs> I can very much do that in the in the professional world, so to speak. Amen. You've really kind of tapped into the heart and soul of like this whole project for me. But what I hope for other women as well is just, you know, there is no one right way. The way 
so to speak, is what God has called you to. And I would add what you just said there in the present moment. So you're more than capable of being an exceptional woman of God, wherever you are. So Elena, I just want to thank you again for your time today. I know you have a very busy schedule, so I'm so appreciative of you making time to have this chat and just for your insights and your wisdom. And as we close, are you able to lead us in a closing prayer? Yes, I'd love to. I'd love to do the Hail Mary just because it's December 8th. And that's what other prayer is better. Absolutely. In honor of Our Lady on her feast day, December 8th, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and in the hour of our death. Amen. And I ask St. Therese to pray for all of us, especially all of those who are struggling with a job, or whichever patron saint you have who helps you with your job, that you may thrive in your position. And we're not, remember, meant to survive, but to thrive, and for our lady to bless all of our work. Amen. Amen. Alana, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. My thanks again to Alana Nunez Murdoch for taking the time to join me on the podcast today. As mentioned, Alana is the founder of Mission to Launch. You can learn more about them and the services they offer by checking out their website, missiontolaunch.com. That's mission with the number two, launch.com. And be sure to also follow them on Instagram at mission2launch. I've left links to these in the episode description below. You can stay up to date with the Feminine Genius Podcast by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at FemGeniusPod. And you can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other platforms. All this information can be found on our website, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless always.